episode 190 above ground podcast chosen reject with philip fleming disclaimer the hosts of this podcast will foley and tpp are not medical professionals and this is not medical advice both will and tpp have firsthand experience with mental illness they have their own perspective and own thoughts on mental health challenges above ground podcast was birthed to help those who struggle with their mental health through honest dialogue by speaking openly and sharing tools they foster connection By fostering connection, they convey hope. With connection and hope, we can continue to increase awareness. These conversations aim to break down the walls while building stronger foundations for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 190. That's 190. That's right. The pod going on four years now. Thank you very much for checking in with us. This week's episode is a wonderful episode. It is kicking off. uh, Today is February 1st. Uh, We are kicking off Black History Month. We have two really super important interviews this month. Uh, This week's is with Philip Fleming. Philip is a peer in every sense of the word and when you hear his story and know about where he comes from you'll understand why we're going to get to that in a moment but first uh this saturday night i will be at the fuse box uh at 12 central avenue albany i am opening the show for black bell jones same old rat and psychomantium that's right it's very cool how we get to be on these eclectic bills now man and i love being able to go out and play with my friends' bands and eclectic bands at that, heavier bands, because that's the kind of music I'm into, too. So please come out. 8 o'clock is the show. $10 at the door. It's going to be a really good show, man. So please come out. There's no scene without support. So support local music. Get out there and see as many shows as you can. Sunday, March 5th, is Tim's book discussion and signing at the Sages Circle at 443 Saratoga Road in Glenville. The Sages Circle is Nippertown's premier metaphysical boutique and spiritual shop. And I can tell you, you walk through the door and Jamie has made such an amazing mark in that spot. Such an incredible place, full of energy, full of love, full of peace, man. Go check it out. Sunday, March 5th, Tim will be hosting the discussion and book signing for Never Underestimate the Power of You. That's right, because life is a DIY project. This is a help yourself book. Come March 5th. And right now, let's get to Philip Fleming. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. No, you cannot. What is up, TPP? What's going on, buddy? Happy Sunday morning, man. We're back on Zoom. Back on Zoom only means one thing. That's right, man. It means another interview. And our guest this week is a member of the board of directors of Fountain House of New York City. He is the New York City Regional Coordinator for the WCNY IPA Regional Peer Network at Baltic Street AEH. He's also an ordained minister, just like me from Universal Life Ministries, man. I was, I, I've always wanted to do weddings, and I haven't had the chance to officiate any of them, but it's cool to see another fellow 
Another fellow with the Universal Life tag next to their name, man. Uh, he's also a board member at large for the New York Association of Black Psychologists. He's a member of the education unit at Fountain House. I see Fountain House all over the place. Uh, we had Frank Shamrock on the podcast back in March of this year, and I know that Frank has done other work with Shamrock with uh, Fountain House also, which is where I had become familiar with Fountain House. Philip, thank you very much for joining us this Sunday morning. How are you, my friend? Uh, I have to say, uh, you know, this year has went by so quickly. Uh, you know, I haven't really even noticed uh, because of all the work and activities that, you know, me and my colleagues and fellow peers have been doing and, you know, working on. You know, this has been, it's been one hell of a year, uh, you know, with, you know, you know, new government, you know, new president. You know, I think it's been a little over a year since President Biden started. And, you know, there's just, just a lot of things that, you know, to work on um, in terms of, you know, the peer movement. Uh, one of the biggest things that's come up um, this year is, you know, livable wages for peer professionals. Uh, right now in New York State, that's only $15 an hour. And that's, you know, the minimum wage. Uh, and for peers with families, uh, you know, they're telling me that they can't really support their families on a $15 an hour uh, wages. Things that it's being worked on uh, through the New York City Office of Mental Health's uh, New York City Regional Peer Office is, you know, just writing a white, uh, sorry, not a white paper, a position paper, really just hammering down why it's beneficial for peer support professionals to receive livable uh, wages, you know, not just for families, you know, but, you know, couples or individuals. Absolutely. That profession is chapman for uh us as peers as well and it's something that has not really been taken seriously but hopefully with this uh position paper um that you know this issue will be taken seriously phil and i recently had the pleasure of meeting actually in person at the new york association of psychiatric rehabilitation services conference which in new york state if you're in, in the peer services it's it's most commonly known as niapers so I can't imagine trying to live on $15 an hour and not have to have multiple jobs to make ends meet because nothing is cheap. And I know rent up here is super expensive. And a lot of peers, I'm sure, don't have the ability to necessarily purchase a house because most people can't purchase a house at this point. Because if you're not getting overbid by 40 grand, you're just, it's, it's so expensive. You're knocked out of the market. So it speaks to having living wages for paraprofessionals because that's what a peer is, is, is a paraprofessional. Because we're not psychologists, we're not social workers, but we are paraprofessionals. And we talk about how we have to develop a workforce. And if anything has come out of COVID, it's the fact that we've really learned that all these people that spent these years being professionals, half of them don't want to be in the field in, fields anymore that they are in. So how are you going to replace that? Well, you have to replace that with people who actually care and want to be in positions, which are what peers do because that's what we do because most of us start out not getting paid volunteering doing groups doing all these things and then how do you get to that point of of creating a workforce and having a plan well and, there, there is actually something um in place you know the goal the end goal is to you know unite uh the peer workforce together in new york state and you know that's and i where, love that where i come in yeah so 
um, and that's called the Regional Peer Network. Uh, it's an initiative uh, of the Wellness Collaborative of New York Independent Practice Association. So like, what's that? So an IPA is basically genuinely, totally pure run organization, agency, or program. And that means that there are no clinicians employed as staff in any capacity at this organization or program or agency. And so my office, the New York City Regional Peer Coordinator's Office is at the Baltic Street Resource and Wellness Center. And so that's one example, Baltic Street, of a where everyone who works there, you know, identify and discloses him or herself as a peer, you know, a person with lived experience either uh, in mental health recovery, substance use recovery, or both. So there's no clinicians working there at all. And the Resource and Wellness Center is just one aspect of the many types of programming that Baltic Street AEH offers. Uh, for those of you who don't know what AEH stands for, and I had to learn this too, A stands for advocacy, uh, E, uh, education, uh, and my says for employment because there's employment services too, but H is housing. So Baltic Street has one of the largest pure run housing programs uh, in the state of New York. One of the largest employment resource centers in the state, as well as advocacy programs. And they're scattered throughout the five boroughs. Now, what's neat about the resource and wellness center is that all programming are free and open to the public. And usually someone would come off this you know, the street, you know, let's say, and, you know, and need a support, they would start at the Resource and Wellness Center. Uh, they would speak to, uh, you know, either the, the program director, program manager, or one of the uh, other peer specialists uh, that works there. And, you know, just kind of get a feel for the types of programming that, you know, Baltimore Street offers. And that includes uh, a garden club, mindful eating, peer information groups, writing, poetry, uh, music, and I'm probably leaving some things out because there's a lot that goes on there. Um, there's also a computer lab, uh, a library with over 600 uh, different titles. And we don't refer to people that come in as clients or even members who said participants. I, I really like that, uh, that word, participant. I'm participating and whatever is happening you know, at the Resource and Wellness Center. So yeah, it's a very person-centered way of putting it, actually. And I never, yeah. and I, I appreciate that because I actually thought client was a, a particular better word than patient, but I get it. Like, I like that participant. I like it. You know, if a peer specialist at the Resource and Wellness Center do a referral, you know, it's, you know, they'll do a referral to wherever, uh, you know, they need housing or, you know, they're on entitlements and, you know, want to be weaned off of, you know, benefits and have a job, you know, there's, you know, so there's uh, a lot of different places. Oh, I forgot to mention the uh, community links. Uh, it's the education component of Baltimore Street uh, where, you know, they will help you, uh, you know, get your uh, high school equivalency uh, diploma that used to be called GED want to go back to college to get an, an associate's or bachelor's or a master's or even phd uh, uh they have uh adequate resources to help participants uh and you know getting you know get back to school and 
uh, since I'm doing um, a peer, a professional peer information support group every other Tuesday, uh, it also includes uh, participants who want to become peer specialists, uh, certified recovery peer advocates. Uh, you know, I provide uh, resources, information about how a participant can become uh, a certified peer specialist or a certified recovery peer advocate you know, or equivalents thereof. So these groups have been going on since August uh, and we got great participation. In fact, the next one is actually just coming Tuesday, October 4th. So you run these at the facility? Uh, yes, uh, I, I run this group at the, at the Baltimore Street Resource and Wellness Center, yes. How long, how long has that been going on? Uh, it started the uh, first Tuesday in August, uh, and it's every other Tuesday, uh, usually first and third Tuesdays. Uh, and we have a hybrid format, meaning that some participants will show up in person and, you know, I'm there to facilitate. But then there's also folks who uh, participate virtually. And we, uh, this group is also connected to Community links, so there are at least one representative from Community Links uh, present at each one of these uh, information sessions. Uh, in the event that hey, the, a participant uh, may be interested in starting that road to become a certified peer specialist, sorry, or a certified recovery peer advocate, so that's when Community Links kind of step in, guide them through that process. I'm just a bridge between the participant and his or her, her goals. Well, it's not just a bridge. You're, it's a very important cog in the machine, you know. I, I say that about us. We're uh, kind of, you know, the, the, the chip that brings the salsa to the mouth. Um, but it's a, it's a very important piece to, to have that, you know, because obviously it wouldn't work without a bridge, right? Uh, right. What, you can't even cross you- the river. As, as you can't even cross a you can't even cross a bridge. Uh, sorry, cross a river. Excuse me, without going through a bridge. Correct, correct. So it's a very vital piece. What brings you to this whole the, the peer specialist and, and supporting people side of things? Well, I when I moved to uh, the city, New York City, for the first time, uh, actually October six, two thousand eight. I had no idea what my life was going to be like. You know, I, I didn't have a clue. I was, you know, a scared 34-year-old. And I guess one day I, I went to, uh, you know, LGBTQ uh, Center in Manhattan. And, you know, I overheard some people talking and they, you know, dropped these words, you know, peer, you know, peer support. And it's like, well, what was that? So, you know, I asked questions and I, I usually tell people that, you know, this line of work, this profession kind of fell in my lap. It's something that I decided to try on, you know, see if it fits. Um, you know, and 13 years later, you know, over 13 years later, you know, you know, look how much I was able to, you know, accomplish through that. So that's usually the, the spill that I tell people because I didn't even know what peer support was when I uh, moved in the city. And I slowly learned you know, what it is, you know, what it's all about. And I was just, I was just more than eager, you know, to, you know, get out there and, and, and do the work and, and not necessarily have a title. I didn't have a title, you know, when I first started. What is peer support? What does peer support mean to you in your words? I think first and foremost, I, I would equate peer support to just being a human being, really. I mean, 
you know, you know, I have that listening ear, you know, to hear what you have to say. Uh, and number two, based on that, you know, the question becomes, you know, how can I assist you? You know, that person-centeredness. You know, it's, you know, I'm not bringing my agenda or my opinion, you know, to the table because what works for me, I mean, I may say, hey, A, B, and C works for me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that A, B, and C is going to work for you, you know, Tim or, you know, Will or anybody else. So we really got to be careful, you know, when, you know, offering those resources and, you know, what we say. I, I learned something in Recovery Coach Academy. I remember Ruth Riddick, one of my trainers, on the first day, uh, she says, wait. Like, what does that mean? Why am I talking? Uh, and it really zeroes in on, you know, that part of my recovery story. Like, is it for, you know, the peers, other peers' benefit? Or is it for my own? So, I always think of weight when I before I speak, and it, it keeps me humble and also keeps me um, focused on what exactly needs to be said that is going to benefit the person that I'm talking to or talking with. It's interesting that you bring up the word humility, because in the time that I've been, that I've not only identified as a peer and then went through the New York Academy of Peer Services, which is where I've gotten my certification through and just got renewed for my next year. I've realized that the one thing about this position that I hadn't really thought about was the humility that it teaches you. It can teach you to be humble. You can be humble to begin with when you come in, but it can really humble you while you're in it. And you realize that you, what I've learned in my 50 years of being on this planet is I know way less than I thought I did. And I talk way more sometimes than I should. And I have to check myself on that shit. Philip, as a yeah, peer, I mean, go ahead, my friend. I was going to say, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much close to 50. Uh, I understand what you're saying that, you know, and I'm learning as I'm getting close to 50 that, you know, I, there's a lot that I don't know or, or there's a lot that I, I thought I knew. You know, one peer could just like, shake all that you know that that cr that crap or what i thought i knew you know just totally crash you know right down to the foundation right down to nothing and i think for me that's that's what the humility you know comes in you know when you know my so-called knowledge has been sh struck down to the ground you know by someone i never even met i think that shows um that's a great example I think that shows like a willingness though and an open mind, right? Because it's like if you're open to these new ideas and, and thoughts and opinions, then I, I think that's a good thing because it's a sign that, you know, you're you're willing to grow and learn. Exactly. Now, as a peer, if you don't mind sharing or asking, is there when did you start identifying yourself as a peer? Obviously, we come to this through our own our own experiences. So I'm I'm curious if you're willing to share with everybody where you kind of came from and how you come to this. Well, um, I'm a Southerner by birth. Uh, I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, to uh, a household that you know, as you know, many uh, 
people of color in Alabama has been, you know, rocked by, you know, systemic racism, uh, probably far greater than here in New York. Uh, and Birmingham especially. Uh, yeah, Birmingham especially uh, has been uh, like one of the epicenters of, you know, this various forms of systemic racism, prejudices, discrimination. And so, you know, growing up in that, that culture, that environment, uh, you know, I was told the stories, you know, and the images of, you know, the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, how he, uh, you know, advocated and strived for, for, you know, for peace and social justice through, you know, nonviolent, you know, measures. Uh, but, you know, but of course, uh, the, you know, my environment also says, you know, you know, blame the white guy for everything. Like he's the, the reason why, you know, I'm in this mess. Uh, and so I will hear the rhetoric from my parents all the time, you know, you know, well, you're not going to be able to go to college. So, you know, just go get a job and try to, you know, make the best of it. Like that kind of talk. And, you know, I, I saw college in my future, you know, I, I, you know, I have ambitions and, and goals to, you know, I didn't identify as a peer really until maybe a, I got to New York really because I there wasn't a word that was really thrown around much at, at, in terms of what in terms of what we uh, define peer as. Now peer could also mean you know, your mates in school, your schoolmates, uh, but in a peer as in you know lived experience, you know that's totally you know different, uh, and so. I guess I identified that way uh, maybe when I started going to, uh, you know, Rainbow Heights Club in Brooklyn uh, in 2009 and also started attending a uh, support group at the uh, LGBTQ Center in Manhattan around the, the same time. I mean, I, I had a, di a mental health diagnosis before that. I, I didn't know that that experience could be valuable, a valuable asset um, in my life. I just thought, man, there's something seriously wrong with me and you know and I need to take all this medication to uh, to feel better. That's what I thought uh, for a while, you know until I started attending peer groups uh, in here in the city uh, 13 years ago and I learned that, hey, you know you know all that weed smoking, you know, you know, could be, uh, you know, could be beneficial. Like I can actually get a job where I can actually talk about that and get paid for it someday. So, you know, that was, that's neat. You know, you know, that my formal <laughs> drug habits, you know, that I get to share that and get some dollars in my pocket. And, you know, what profession, you know, gives you the ability to do that and get paid? It's, it's <laughs> It's mind blowing. <laughs> I it's it's funny it's it's funny that you say it like that, and it's funny that you about your example because it's it's interesting because I've had I I've been working in I I call it behavioral health direct care just because I have not, I don't talk about what I do on the show necessarily um, right now, but 
like I've had some interesting conversations with with my with my people that I that I serve, man. And it's it's interesting that you say that because I love to walk and like on Friday, like I spent half of my day was spent walking and talking with somebody. Like that's what I get to do. Like I'm fortunate enough that I get to do this now. And I don't like it's it's interesting and, and it's it's and it's humbling again, like I said before, and it's it's different. And it's you don't get to utilize like you get to utilize a different set of experiences that you don't necessarily get to all the time. Right. I, I can't overstate this is fascinating. Um and I, I can't think of I can't think about another profession, another career where you just really truly get to be yourself and get paid for it. Uh, I can't I can't think of any because yeah, I mean there's there's ethics, you know, and peer support and blah, blah, blah. But it's not like dogmatic, like, you know, being a lawyer or a doctor, you know, where, where there's, you know, tons and tons of books you got to read and all these internships you got to do, you know, things like that. You know, peer support to me, I don't see it that way. I, I don't think it's that way. And it's good that it's not that way, you know. You had you had mentioned earlier, kind of uh, talking about your experience. You know, being a peer, um, it seemed like uh, resources is big, like the connection, the education behind everything. What is is there something that you do that you partake in, maybe as like a self care? Because we all know how this job can be thankless and and pretty much suck your soul. Oh yes, uh, thank you so much for bringing it up. Um... Uh, one of the biggest things I do is I, I listen to music a lot. Um, it's it's uh, and depending upon my mood, you know, I would you know have my different genres. Of course, my favorite uh, genres would have to be uh, you know seventies punk rock. Uh, I love all nineties alternative, especially uh, you know grunge. You know, I was 17 years old when uh, Nirvana's Smell Like Teen Spirit video uh, came out. And I was like, yeah, like that spoke to me. Like it spoke to my generation. You, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, Kurt Cobain's favorite line is like, we were the chosen rejects. And and I, I could totally identify with that. You know what I mean? As, as a 17-year-old back then, you know, you know, graduated from high school, you know, I have to tell people like, man, I'm the black sheet of my family. And like I was, now I say like I was chosen, you know, to be, you know, a reject. You know, I, I embraced that, you know, because, you know, the, you know, the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, you know? So, you know, I was, a, I may have been a reject yesterday, but today, you know, I'm not. You know, I have my chosen family now. Uh, yeah, they say that you can't choose your biological family, but you can you can can choose your own family. And I feel like I I have that. Uh, and that's another thing that peer support has taught me is that you can have whatever family you want, you know, whatever support network you want. You know, it's not dictated by your diagnoses. In fact, I just want to say to everyone listening that you know that you're not your diagnoses. You know, you know that 
you know, you're free to take off the label, you know, like you take off your coat, you know, because the Rev is dropping I, bombs over here. Yeah, I, going, I, wear, yeah I wear a coat, but it's not a part of me. Like I can take that off. You know what I mean? So I just want to throw that out there to everyone. Fill up in his amazing Technicolor dream coat, man. I love it. It's exactly. awesome. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, it's, it's awesome, uh, man. I love that analogy. Uh, Absolutely, man. Absolutely, dude. That was great. You just drop. You just dropped a nugget. Like I, that was perfect. That was I. Like I, we couldn't have planned that any better because it's pre you getting on. Tim and I were having a conversation, and for some reason, the word re- I I was we were talking about rejection and re- and feeling like the rejected and being the rejected and the rejecting. So it was just like it was just perfect, dude. It was just perfect. I think that, that was, was awesome. a hallmark of uh you know Generation X. It's like we, absolutely it is. You know, absolutely, we felt you know rejected by by society, uh, by you know people that were old you know older than us, you know. Yeah, we were those latchkey kids, man, that came home to nobody at home yeah. and everything else, man. We had to hand out, you know, it's – and I'm glad we have the X. I'm glad we were the X and not the Y because, uh, you know, why? Because we, eh. we carved out our own lives, you know, that that sense of rejection, you know, perceived otherwise, that what brought us together. You know, you know that's the family that I feel like I'm a part of, uh, that I, I strongly – identify with and say okay well you know you reject us we're going to create our own thing let's go let's do it uh and you know nike came up with the just do it campaign like that's the hallmark of our, gen- our generation generation x absolutely so, absolutely I, I it goes right I, to the it goes right to the heart of it goes right to the heart of it it's a d it's the diy generation and that's why like and and if you look at the the trajectory of everything culturally now that's going on a lot of that is like a lot of the people that are culturally like superior are the ones who came up through that generation because now they're the older now they're the leading you know now they're the the teachers now so to speak so that diy uh, that diy thing just carried itself through everything and it carried itself through all genres of music like from rap like when you look at like when you look at the old school stuff in New York and, and L.A. and how they uh-huh. came up, just like the New York hardcore scene and just like, you know, all that stuff. Like it was all DIY stuff, all those shows. Like it was just it was just about building your own thing and then trying to push it out. That's Oh, Cham, uh, I got to get back to uh, a question you asked earlier uh, about, you know, self-care. Um, so music. uh Definitely uh, is one of my tools. Uh, anywhere from punk rock to grunge to um, you know the heavy metal of the seventies, um, the alternative metal of the two thousands and, and to the present. Um, you know, you know, goth industrial stuff, drum and bass. You know, uh, those are my favorites. I mean, I have. I would pretty much listen to anything except um, mumble rap. I can't, you know, you know, kids today, like, you know, call it hip hop. I have other things to say about that. You know, and I'm old school when it comes to hip hop. Uh, in fact, uh, at the Niagara's conference last week, uh, there was a, uh, a presentation on the evolution of hip hop. And, you know, 
you know, Louise and uh, Chaku and, you know, Celia, you know, always done a fantastic job with that, with that. But they brought in one of my colleagues from Baltimore Street, Chris. Oh, God. Like, he just added a new dynamic, you know, to that presentation. And he did some rapping on his own, too. Like, he is a rapper in his own right. Uh, and he was able to, you know, present, you know, some of his materials. So, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of thing is so needed, uh, you know, in the peer movement, you know, not just with music, but, you know, the stand up to mental health. That's another example of the of the radicalness, you know, of, of it all, you know, to to be able to laugh at the fact that I just got slapped with a diagnosis yesterday, you know, and it's, you know, they're saying that, you know, I may not recover. I have to take all these pills uh, and to find a way to, you know, to humorize that and, and, and to make it funny. Uh, it, it, that's a radical concept that, you know, how can you laugh at the fact that, you know, uh, you take 20 pills or, you know, a month ago, well, actually it's almost two months ago, I, I got hit by a car, um, you know, and the, apparently the driver took off. So when me and my aide was at the hospital, we were laughing. Uh, we were laughing. And on the way there, um, you know, my aide and I was carrying on. We were laughing. I was talking to someone on the phone and she goes, you just got hurt. How could you, how is that funny? And I really didn't have an answer for it. It's like, I don't know. I just felt like, I just felt like laughing, you know? So, you know. That's an answer though. It's a, but it's I, a really good, it's a really good, it's it's good medicine. Well, I think uh, it's, I think it's, it's it proves that we have that choice. You know, we have the choice to choose laughter and say, hey, you know what? I'm, this happened. So instead of ruminating on it and adding more onto it, I'm going to choose laughter to try and, and, and make it through a little bit less bumpy. Yeah. You know, Elon and I had got the, uh, the nurse, we even got the nurses uh, that was taking care of me uh, laughing. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had to ask him like, how, how do we do that? Uh, oh, I should have an answer to that. We're just being ourselves. Uh, really? Um, and, you know, laughter can be contagious if you, if you choose it to be, you know, you can, you can join us. So that's what these uh, nurses at CDMD uh, did, you know. It's all, that's so awesome. It probably gets me, gets me going when I uh, tell that story, uh, because some people will look at it, it's like, you guys are crazy. Well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we are. You know, but we're 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 crazy enough to take it to the bank. I like it. I like it's awesome taking it to the bank. That's right. That's uh, that, and again, that's the beauty of you know of our profession is you know you know we can be crazy as we want to be, you know, and you know we can take that shit right to the bank. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. So awesome, man. I I one thing I've realized and learned about people is is that there's so much there's so much resilience in the in this community that I can't even can't even 
wrap my arms around how much resilience there is between people that have like just people that have seen such horrible things happen to them and then have to go through the mental health system and then still come out on the other side and still want to keep going and then and and live to to want to tell the story um like you know i should have been dead on august 10th but here i am yeah i'm alive and well you know, I'm talking to you guys. Uh, you know, I'm taking care of my responsibilities. I'm doing all these things. So uh, there's a song by uh, uh, Project 86. Uh, it's called uh, I'm Not Ready to Die. Uh, and, you know, it's a Christian, um, it's a Christian um, alternative metal song. But if you listen to the lyrics, you'll be blown away. Another one that uh, that captured my attention uh, that I didn't think this, the band Disturb would ever do. Uh, it's called Delight. Uh, the video is amazing. It's about a, a firefighter who, you know, was, you know, got injured in the line of duty. You know, his, you know, his face was, you know, practically, the skin was practically charred off. And he meets this woman, a nurse who sort of, took care of him and eventually uh you know they fell in love you know and got married so but during this whole ordeal you know the guy refused to show his face in public you know, because of all the scarring you know but he didn't stop fighting and i and you, you just gotta you just gotta see the whole uh video for it's called delight by disturbed uh, and it really captures that sense of, you know, resilience, you know, when the chips are down. Now, who's going to be there for you when the chips are down? Like, it really just kind of hones in on that. And so th that's the beauty and the power of music. It helps paint a picture of what life is like, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the despicable. Uh, you know it all. I feel like it. It also is a reminder that maybe some of us are are walking around maybe without visible injuries that that don't want to show their face as well, or don't want yeah. to show those those scars and those parts of us. Right, and you know, but you know, peer support gives us the choice and the option, not just to do it, but how to do it. You know, we're not on a leash when it comes to. Mm -hmm. You know, telling that story. However, you know, when I telling like that story, we want it to be effective. And I think that's what, you know, some training comes in, you know, group facilitation, active listening, those types of things. Uh, and, and that's why I, I believe those things are incorporated in peer training is, you know, to give us tools and ideas of how and when to share our story and to, to whom, because um, I would say if we to share, if I was to share my entire story, like that would take days. So, you know, who's going to, uh, who's going to sit through, uh, 168 hours of me talking. I don't, do I don't you think so. so, um, so do you think no, with your participants, like either in group or a one-on-one -on -one maybe, do you think that with you opening up a bit and sharing some of your story, does that help them? 
as well open up and feel more comfortable and share theirs? Uh, actually, yes. Uh, it, yes, I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, thank yous for uh, from other from other participants, other peers for you know for just being um, willing to be vulnerable, willing to be uh, you know transparent. Uh, in fact, for some of them, it sort of opened a door for them to to start talking. Uh, so you know, like you never know how you know what you say is going to benefit someone. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm really not experienced in the field. I just may have this little mustard seed of whatever. You know, one thing I learned about mustard seeds: it's the smallest seed that you'll ever find. You plant that thing into the ground, and it will grow into the tallest tree in the forest. So. If all you got, dude, is a is a little tiny mustard seed, you got more than the than the richest guy uh, in corporate America, because their money is going to be going tomorrow. The stock market is going to eat it up. But you plant that little mustard seed in the ground, um, that thing's not go- going anywhere. In fact, it's going to go everywhere. So that's how the are, difference. Yes. How 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 would you say are ways that we can we can nurture our mustard seed and water it in, in order for it to grow big and strong? Um, for starters, uh, you know, don't be afraid to say that things are not okay. Um, I, I think it's very easy for us as peers to kind of put on that brave face, um, you know, when helping others or supporting others. And, you know, means, meanwhile, you know, you know, my heart is being digested by my stomach, but people can't see that. And it's easy to mask up. But I say to everyone, it's okay to say that you're not okay. Number two, it's, I believe it's okay to say that you need help. Uh, I think Bill Weathers uh, said it best uh, in his song, Lean On Me, uh, when he goes, uh, you know, everybody's gonna need somebody. Uh, and, you know, there's other artists who probably use that phrase in their song, but everybody's going to need somebody sometime. And it's okay. You know, it, it doesn't mean that, you know, that you're weak. You know, it just means that, okay, you know, I want to move on, but maybe I just need a little push, maybe a little little, little help. And that's okay. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, I think, said it best as well. If you can't run, walk, if you can't walk, crawl, but whatever you do, don't stop moving. And when I did a presentation uh, some time ago, I added something else. Uh, If you can't crawl, have someone carry you. Very well said. That is that is very well said, and and that's what peer work is all about. The essence of peer work is is saying to, and this is my own. This is where it comes from me. Is that it's that we can carry someone else, and maybe sometimes we need to be carried too. But and there's no and there's no, and I want folks to know that there's absolutely no shame uh, in that. And if someone tells you otherwise, then that's something that they're going to have to work on. Yeah, that's on them. That's their business. That's not our business. That's none right. of our business. What they're thinking, right? Wow, that Philip. I it's I, I'm so glad that we've had the chance to meet. Um, luckily, we got the chance to meet and 
and uh, I knew about your car accident and I'm, I'm so glad that you're recovering. And I know that I know when we had talked last week, um, that you are getting, you need surgery. Is that, is that the case? You need some surgery on your knee or you're having um, surgery? I might, surgery? I'm not sure. Uh, I just had an MRI, an MRI done on my right knee yesterday. So the results is going to come in in three to five days. Uh, but it, you know, in addition to the, uh, the car crash, I, you know, I'm also dealing with the after, the aftermath of the ending of my uh, domestic partnership. Uh, to I've been a victim. Was well, I'm no longer a victim. I, I survived. Let's just say it this way: I survived uh, uh, domestic violence, uh, which which has been going on for three years. So uh, I'm still dealing with a lot of aftermaths of that uh, restoration of my property, uh, which my ex stolen. Um, so, you know, having a new apartment, you know, I'm grateful to have a new apartment, um, you know, but I kind of had to start over in terms of, you know, you know, buying, you know, clothing and, you know, things that I, I, I need. Um, and that's been a really, uh, slow process but you know i'm slowly making waves uh with that um um just making sure that my ex is being held accountable for what he did uh to me in a court of law you know that stuff is still going on so you know i'm confident i just i just want justice so i could just like move on sure you know, so, absolutely and despite all these things you know being homeless during part of that time it's you and Tim said it, the resilience factor. It's like when the chips are down, what are you going to do? And what did I do? I took my ass to work. I did what I had to do. I, you know, I saved up the money. You know, I, you know, I do the things that I would normally do if I wasn't in the situation. Why? Because, you know, the end of my marriage you know, that's not the end game. That's not the end result. You know, the, the car accident, that's, you know, that's not the final chapter uh, in my life. And whatever else bullshit that happened in my life, that's not, you know, that's not the, the last chapter of the book. There's more to be to be written. And by, you know, by going to work, you know, by hanging out with my friends, you know, by, you know, cranking up my tunes, you know, by watch, you know, watching my favorite TV shows. To me, it's like, okay, you know, I'm continuing to write in that book. Uh, and then what happened to me before, it's not the end of the book. It's like, it's just one lousy chapter that I'm just writing to say, hey, well, this shit happened to me, but, you know, we get to go into chapter 23 or whatever. Uh, and resolve this crap. I gotta say, I gotta say, Rev, you got a, you got a great outlook. I think your your mindset is like perfect for for this and what you're doing. And it's great that you're able to to pass those mustard seeds along to your other participants and other peers around you. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you, Tim. Uh, this I just want to thank you, Tim and Will, for what you do for for having this podcast where we can just be, we can be candid uh, and transparent and at the same time, you know, send 
you know, important messages uh, to people who, you know, listen to you, the two of you. You know, thank you for, for having this, uh, this podcast. And the name of it, I, I, it's so uh it's so diy so genetically you know uh above ground you know you know our interview and uh, where we're, we're we're you know kind of diving in uh you know our our way into the you know the issues you know that affects us so you know I, i'm glad I you get it i'm glad enough. you get it because i, yeah, I think you. that's yeah, thanks. Because I think yeah, that's we've been what we do this is for a while, but you know, you know, life happened. You know, hey, some horrific things. We're here happen. now. We're here now. Yeah, so we, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. So we usually wrap up with three questions. Okay. For, first question is: Do you have a favorite or a least favorite word? I guess my favorite word is disruption. <laughs> uh, I think it's the it's a hallmark of my generation. You know, some people don't like that word because they they equate it with destruction. But when I say disruption, I mean something that is wrong and broken. You know, what is system systematic? If it's broken or if it doesn't fit my needs, I'm going to replace it with something that does. To me, that's disruption. The word that I hate the most. Um, I'm not going to say it in its entirety. I'm just say the N word. I hate that word. I hate the fact that younger generations are reclaiming that word. And I know that, you know, my, my parents' generation, my grandparents, my ancestors went through hell being called the N-word. And so people who know me or don't know me, I would never, ever, ever use that word because it brings... I know what it means, and it brings, it will be an insult to my ancestors to say that. As a as an individual who has so much experience, and we've talked about resiliency a lot on this on this episode, I want to know what your definition of resilience is. I guess how we I guess how we equate it to a a car. Uh, you know, when a car runs out of gas, you know, technically it can't move. Uh, but if you get to if you get out the car and have two or three other people, you know, push the car to the service station, now you're at a point in which uh, you can get the gasoline you need to uh, get the car, uh, you know, moving the way it's supposed to. I will say that would be my definition of resilience. Not staying stuck in the one place that you're stuck in, and finding the and finding the ability to move on no matter what. Yeah, is that fair to say? Yeah, and and you may you may need that that one person or that two people to sort of kind of carry you to that that next spot. Yeah, I will I I would say that would be my definition of resilience. Love it, love it. So, Philip, if there was something that you could do or that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole without any kind of restraints, what would it be? I would say every every document that was created, uh, you know, from OMAs to CMS, whatever, that includes language that doesn't edify or build up human beings, the peer community, should be stricken and replaced with person-centered 
um, language, with edifying language, language that builds people up, not tear them down, that, you know, language that doesn't label people, but give them choices of how to identify themselves. So that's why I would say uh, every book, every pamphlet, every document, every piece of paper with language that tears people down should be rewritten. That's a mighty task right there. But but I think I think we've we spend we spend lots of time and energy on other things. That's 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 a, a worthy goal. It's a worthy goal to see people as 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 people and not as their diagnosis yeah, or the their. Minute, the minute you say the minute a clinician say no to you, you know they just planted a a, a negative seed a, 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 in in your heart and your mind. And uh, for most people I know myself, uh, it could be self destructive, or, or at least the road to self destruction unless I meet someone who sees it, okay, well, we're going to pluck that out. So, I mean, language is so important uh, when it comes to anything that we do and, and, and say. So that's why I answered the way I did. Philip, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your Sunday morning to join us. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the episode, and I can't wait for everyone to hear this. Um, Philip, is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with as far as like being able to find you, find resources? What, what's, what's one thing that you would like everybody to know or anything that you want to share with us to end up? I guess I, I want folks to know that, you know, that there are people in this world that, you know, care about you. I mean, genuinely, um, that you, uh, you are your own expert. You have a seat at the table, you know, come bring your ideas, you know, your feedback, your criticism, your anger, you know, whatever you got, you know, you know, bring it to the table and, you know, let's connect, you know, you know, let's, you know, work these things out. Uh, and, you know, I could be contacted by email. Um, my email address is P-F-L-E-M-I-N-G at baltistreet.org so that's p fleming at baltistreet.org um you know if, if you appear professional uh in new york state and are interested in learning more about the wellness collaborative of new york ipa uh and its project the regional peer network you know uh, again uh p fleming at baltistreet.org uh and yeah let's start talking let's start connecting um you know, let's get this going. Uh, we got a lot of work to do, and uh, I'd, I'd love to hear what you all have to say about, you know, the peer movement, what you want to see, what you want done. Let's collaborate together. Let's partner up, you know. You know, let's the world see that there is absolutely nothing wrong being uh, a nice, benevolent, you know, caring human being. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, the world is better off by being those things. Thank you so much, my friend. You and you make it a better place by you being in it. So I'm so grateful that you were able to survive your domestic violence, your your car accident, and and being hit by that, struck by that car, man. It is so awesome. You are a pillar of resilience. I will say that. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, thank you, Timmy. Another fantastic interview, man. I I can't 
can't thank it and can't thank Philip enough for doing this, man. He really does exemplify what being from the perspective really is. You know what I mean? Agree. Yeah, I can't say anything more on top of that for sure. Absolutely not, man. So until next week, get well. Be safe. Stay above. Thank you for giving us a listen. New episodes every Wednesday. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Other ways to support the show? Follow us on social media. Share the content. Share our episodes. You can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash above ground pod. For further concerns, show ideas, or just to say hi, you can email us at abovegroundpodcast at gmail. Once again, thank you for listening and supporting mental health. Keep the conversation going and stay above.